Romans 6, 1 through 14. And we'll talk today about choosing freedom. I'm glad that the last person who came through that door this morning shut that door for us because I was about to get somebody to do it. I was afraid those skunks might come in. And um, you will never have seen the Spirit move in a Baptist church the way you'll see it move if you see a family of skunks move in. So maybe that's what we need. Amen? But anyway, we want to... <laughs> Look at Romans 6, 1 through 14 today, and we are so glad that you're with us today and grateful for all that came to be a part of our service this morning. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 14. I would ask you to stand one more time as we read God's Word. You'll be sitting for a while, but I want you to stand as we read this to honor what God says to His people. In 6, 1 through 14, it says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the, whole, the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him, for the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Father, thank you for your word today, and I pray you speak to the hearts of those who would hear it. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Aren't you glad that that is exactly what he did? Is that he freed mankind from the penalty of sin? All we would have to do is to accept that grace that he offers to us, as was depicted in in that illustration. Jesus died knowing that some would turn their back on him, and knowing that some would not. Knowing that he died for all mankind. And there'd only be a percentage that would accept His love and His salvation. But did you know that for Jesus, that small percentage was enough? That small percentage was enough to go to Calvary, to lay His life down, to put Himself on the cross, because the Bible says that no man takes His life, but I give my life. They didn't kill Jesus. Jesus gave His life so that you and I wouldn't have to die. Amen? And He did that for us. And that is a picture, just an illustration of what Christ did for us. And so because we accept Jesus as our Savior, we ought to be happy today. Amen? We ought to be the most joyous, the most excited, the most just elated people in the world. Because if we are free in Christ, the Bible tells us we're free indeed. We're really free. Because Jesus paid the price. We don't have to pay the price. One day we'll be with Him forever in heaven because of what He did, not what you did. What you did would put you in hell. Amen? What you did would put you in hell and you'd be apart from Jesus forever. But because of what Jesus did, you and I can go free just like the birds in the illustration. And I'm glad today that I can picture it in that way and understand that Jesus did that. But did you know that so many people and a lot of people who have freedom don't live their life as freed people? That they're still living lives as though they were just in bondage, as much in bondage as before Jesus came in their life. There are a lot of people who choose to let sin wrap them up, tie them up, and they live according to that sin. They don't live the way Jesus called them to live. Do you believe that, that Jesus calls us to live a certain way? Well, absolutely He does. He calls us to live His way. He wants us to live in a way that is different from the world. He, the Scripture tells us that we are to be called out from the world. We're to come out from the world and live differently and be different. That's what we're called to do. And, and we're to do that, but many believers d will profess Christ as Savior, but they still find themselves and leave themselves in, in sin, and, and they deal with that. See, Jesus came to die so that I could go free, and He also came to die and to rise again because when He did that, He defeated the power of sin in your life. Sin has no power in your life if you're a believer. That's true today. I want to stress that as much as I can. I want to say it over and over again until you get it. But if you're in Christ, sin is to have no power in your life. If it has power in your life, you're letting it have power in your life. And you need to know that today. 
We spend our lives many times saying, well, I just can't say no to this. I just struggle with this. But Jesus came to break it in your life. And if you're allowing it to control you, don't blame the Lord. Understand, it's you. But the good news is, is Jesus came so it could be broken. As we read the Scripture, it's very much talking about that. As verse 1 says, that what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? That Scripture is kind of interesting because there was a teaching at that time that said since grace is plentiful, since grace abounds when I sin, then why not get more grace by sinning more? Now think about that for a second. But there, you think, well, that's funny. I'd never do that. There was a teaching at that time that said, since grace comes along when we sin, and there's always grace enough to cover it, then let's get more grace by sinning more. And you say, we would never do that. We would never. But we, folks, we live like that every day. We think that, oh, it's okay, God's going to forgive us. It, we, you know, we do a little bit every day, so it's okay. You know, God's going to overlook it. But listen, yes, He does forgive us, but He doesn't want us to stay mired in sin. And if you think He does, you couldn't be more wrong. He wants us to listen to His ways, to walk in the Spirit, and to get out of the pit that He, by the blood of Jesus Christ, delivered us from. That's where He wants us. And yet we will leave ourselves in a cage because that's just what we do. He says, shall we continue to sin? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And he goes through and talks about these things. And, and I just have three things I want to share with you today. But, but the title of the message is about choosing freedom. You in Christ can choose to be free or you can choose to live just as bound as you were before you got saved. You'll have to make that decision. You're going to have to make that choice. If you're a young person, if you're an older person, you're the one that's going to make that choice today. And you know what? I'm even going to even hold you more accountable. You're going to love this. Because you're hearing this message today, you're more accountable for it. And somebody said, ah! But you're accountable for what you hear, so you need to hear this today. It's going to do you good. Now, the first principle I want to share with you is this is that sin is the obstacle to your freedom. Sin is the obstacle to your freedom. It's the thing that stands in your way. You think, well, it's me. It's just my attitude. It's just the way I am. It's just my bent. It, it, it's just my. It's who I am. But listen, Christ did not come so He could just accept who you are. Christ came so He could change you into the person that he wants you to be that's because that's why christ came that's why jesus died he wants you to be converted and conformed the scripture teaches into the image of his son that's what jesus wants and and he is coming to do that but the obstacle of that freedom in christ is sin that is in our lives that that's what blocks us that's what's in the door that's what keeps us from being completely free. The Bible teaches that, that sin is a universal problem. You know what that means? We all have it. We, we all have it. We all deal with it. Don't feel bad this morning if you're feeling sinful because you can look around next to you and find somebody else that feels the same way. 
We all feel sinful, more sometimes more sinful at, at other times, but we all have to deal with sin. That's why we all need a Savior. It doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, but every person who has ever been born who is being born right at this moment or will be born in the future, needs a Savior. And let's just narrow it down a little bit more. Not just any Savior, but only way to to make it to heaven is through Jesus. He's the only Savior. So in knowing that, you have to understand that the obstacle that keeps us from, from... at first even finding Jesus, but even after we've become saved and maybe living victorious in Jesus, is sin in our lives. That's the obstacle. That's the blockage. That's the thing that stops it. You know, you've got to look out for things that get in your way or block things. You know, you hear from time to time of people who go for a checkup and they find out there are little some abnormalities in their checkups and they find out that, that man, they had arteries that were blocked up never did even know it. I've heard people tell me that before. They said, yeah, that thing was 80% blocked. You know, I'm not a medical professional, but that don't sound good. If something is blocked 80%, that means 20% is getting around. And did you know that many of us kind of spend our lives like a clogged artery? where there's sin clogging up 80% of our life, and we're trying to live 20% in victory. And Jesus never called you to live 20% victory. He called you to live 100% victorious. And we're living our lives like a clogged artery or congested traffic. And He called us to be completely free. The Bible teaches that sin is a problem that we all deal with. It keeps us from living a good and a moral life. Life. It keeps us from, from being what God really wants us to be. It keeps us from living that righteous way. It hinders us in relationships that we have with other people. It, it does so many things to block those kind of relationships. We tend to put ourselves first because of sin. We'll hurt other people's feelings just so we can, can feel better about ourselves. And sin does all that stuff that, that messes up our life. It robs us, ultimately, of an intimate relationship with Jesus. If you're petting sin in your life, if you're keeping it active in your life, you will never have the kind of relationship that Jesus called you to have. You just won't. And you might say, well, that's, that's hard for you to say. You're supposed to encourage us, especially on Back to Church Sunday. Because do you want me to come back? The answer, of course, is yes. But I also want you to have truth. I also want you to know that Jesus called you to live more than what most of us live our lives in. And He's got the very best for you in mind. And so He wants you to seek Him and to have that relationship with Him, but you'll not have it completely if you let sin mess it up. You know, there's nothing really sadder to talk to someone who knows the Lord, who knows how things should be in their life, really knows the steps to take to make things correct, 
and to fix that relationship between the Lord and themselves. There's nothing any sadder for a person to know all that and yet still, for whatever reasons, choose not to do it. Because there's a lot of people that just plain don't know. And you can kind of understand that. They've never heard the good news. They don't know the goodness of God. And, and, and they really are ignorant to some of those things. But then you have some folks who know, have even tasted and yet, for whatever reason, they choose not to live the way that God's called them. They're miserable. They're hurting. It's real easy for us to be judgmental towards them and say, well, they get what they deserve. But see, the world that's in that condition needs us to love them. Not to accept them in their condition. Accept them as people, amen? I said accept them as people, amen, but not accept the sin. We're to love them and to pray for them and pray for God to change that in their life. And, and there's so many people are living in that condition because they allow sin to be an obstacle to freedom. And that's exactly what it is, an obstacle to real freedom in Christ. There's another principle that I see in the Scripture that I, I want to bring out to you today. is that Jesus came to remove the obstacle. As we look through here, we see over and over again that, well, let's look at, let's just look at, at verse 3 where it says, Or do you not know that as many were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism unto death. Aren't you glad I don't stop there? But just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even, even so we should walk in newness of life. See, when we identify with Jesus in His death and as His resurrection, when we accept that salvation, the obstacles should be gone. In His eyes it is. But what do you do with sin that is the obstacle? Jesus came to remove the obstacles. The Bible teaches that Christ came so that we could have life and Scripture will teach that we should have it more abundantly. I don't know what that means to you, but we should have a full, rich life in Christ. Does that mean that everything will always be the way we want it to be? Certainly not. But did you know that you can enjoy life even in stressful times? I have found myself really trying to set back a little bit because life is fast-paced, isn't it? Isn't life really fast? Now for some of us, we might be at a level in our lives where it's kind of slowed down some, but I'm not really there. I'm in a pace where, where things are fast and, and we've got this to go to and this to go to and we've, we've committed to this and we've committed to that. And what we find out, what we find ourselves doing sometimes is taking a deep breath and going to the next commitment, waiting for the clock to wind down until that commitment's over with. We check that one off the list and then we go to the next one. Now, there are a lot of people in my age group that, if you'd be honest, could raise your hand because that's exactly what you're living life. And if you're too ashamed to admit it, I'll do it for you. But that's how we live life. And, and this week, as we were going from practice to this to that, I, I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy this because I, if I close my, if I don't watch out, I'm going to miss it. I, and, and so I just enjoy I, You know, I had the best time. Yesterday morning at soccer games. And before this past, I'm not a soccer fan. How many 
people really know what soccer is all about. How many people understand every rule about soccer? Raise your hand if you do. There's probably less than half a dozen. Basically, for the rest of you folks, I can explain it to you. There's a ball. There are two sides of people. And the object is to take that ball and kick it into a, a fishnet mesh basket at the end of the field. The girls like that over there. You want to get it in that net before they get it in your net. You will spend a whole game trying to get it in somebody's net and probably only do it two or three times. But did you know you can enjoy that? We looked out and we have uh, a lot of our... Uh, Church folks, we've probably got eight or ten of our church kids that are involved in uh, soccer over at Heritage right now. We, we do that on Saturdays. And, and it's been a great time just to just spend time with, with the parents that are out there. We go to each other's games and, and all that. Oh, look at your kid. Then, oh, look at your kid. And, you know, we all act like they're the, the, the next great soccer player. I, they can't all be, though. Amen? But yours is. And, and, and we're having a great time. Did you know that to get on Saturday, you have to go to practice during the week? And if you got more than one kid, Russ, you got to go to more than one practice. In order to have some enjoyment on Saturday, you got to go to the practice during the week. And we got two separate practice times. And we go on Tuesdays and we, goes on thir we go on Thursdays. And, and, you know, it takes a lot, but it's enjoyable. You know, coming up next next week, we're having a, a reunion of the of the singing group that my wife and I used to be a part of, and, and we're coming primarily to to raise money for a friend of ours who is has a brain tumor, uh, and they got a lot of expenses uh, incurred with that. And and for years, people would come up and they'd say, "Well, we just enjoy. It. We have the best time at your concerts." And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just telling you what they said. And they say, oh, it's just a great time. And a concert would last an hour if we were really cooking, an hour and a half. And it was just a, you know, a good time. It was great. Enjoyed it. But what most people don't realize is that it takes practice during the week to get there. It takes about four hours, seems like, to get there, set it up, and break it down. And for an hour and a half of enjoyment, you all leave happy. And I'm winding up cords and toting speakers. There's a lot of extra things that come into play when we do this. But see, we let obstacles, the extra stuff, the loading the instruments, we let those things rob our joy of the real stuff that Christ has for us. And we ought to look to the, the time of enjoyment, look to the time of fulfillment, and, and the crowning moment of when your child or grandchild kicks the ball and it goes more than one foot. You know, it's hard to kick a ball. Did you try? Oh, it should be easy. Get out there and kick it. It's hard to get that ball to go in there. Especially when there's a whole lot of other people that don't want it in there. And every time they kick it, it's a major achievement. Same thing with t-ball, baseball, softball, football, whatever your sport is. And we should enjoy those times and enjoy the time that, that God gives us with our families. And in the process of enjoying those things, don't forget 
They also, more than that, need to know, learn about Jesus. You can learn about Jesus. You could share Jesus and enjoy that the same way. And so, we need to make that a, a priority. Ephesians 2.1 says that, that He made us alive who were what? Dead. Scripture goes on and says, in trespasses of sin. Those that were dead in sin, He said, I'm going to make you alive. Do you know that Jesus is the only one that can bring life? You can't bring life. You cannot bring life. You might participate in the birth of your children, but you're not bringing life. Only God can do that. He's what the, the one who can look at something dead and breathe life into it. He's the one that does that. Christ's death on the cross is what broke sin's hold over us. By what He did at Calvary, sin don't have the power it had. It does not have any power over us. And He broke it. And its power to keep us prisoner, to keep us in the birdcage, is gone. Because Jesus did that for us. Jesus came to remove the obstacle. Amen, church? Third principle is this. Living as a prisoner is a choice. If we live as a prisoner, it's because we choose to live as a prisoner. I can't imagine if you were to go to Telford this morning and somehow flip the switch that opened all of the bars. I can't imagine any of the inmates staying there. Can you? I, I can't imagine, oh, I, I, I'm going to do what's right. I, I'm going to stay. No, I, I'm supposed to. If the bars are open, they're gone. It reminds me of another story in Scripture of Paul and Silas who were thrown in prison and at midnight they were having a church service. And this is the only instance that I know of that this happened, but the bars opened and they did not run off. The prisoner was, excuse me, the guard was about to kill himself and he couldn't believe it because the prisoners, those two, still stayed in the cell. See, they weren't looking at what the power of the guard was over them, but they were looking at the one who could free them at any time. And that being God. See, if we live as a prisoner, it's because we choose to live as a prisoner. John 3.19 tells us that men choose the dark over light. Did you know that? Men choose dark rather than the light. Why? Well, it goes on in that Scripture to say because their deeds are evil. That's what they do. That's who they are. And they don't want their deeds to be revealed. It's easier to live in sin because that's your nature. And it's hard to believe, though, that we would pick imprisonment over freedom. Why do we do that? Is it because we just like sin that much? You know, I say, oh, preacher, you're not supposed to say that we like sin. The Scripture itself says that there's pleasure in sin for a season. The Bible says that sin is fun. Did you know that? There is pleasure in sin for a season. You might say, I can't believe you're telling church people that. Folks, if it wasn't fun, why would people be doing it? But the second part of that is, it's just for a season. It's just for a time. 
And sin will run its course. And at the end, sin will kill you. It'll kill you. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But see, it, when we look at living life as a prisoner, it could be because we like sin too much. It, it could be because we think that's the best we can do. A lot of people have that sort of self-esteem issue. And they say, well, I've got to do this because there's nothing better. God can't, doesn't have anything better for me. It's just the way things are. And I'm going to pick this for myself. And God never intended you to live as second. It could be because we're convinced that no one could or should love us enough to save us from slavery, enough to save us from prison. Nobody should love us that much. Truth is, nobody should love us that much. But church, somebody did love us that much. As they come to prepare the invitation, understand that Jesus Christ came with the sole purpose of giving His life. And that sounds so sad and so, you know, I can't believe somebody had to die. And, and, and we could get so caught up in the suffering and the sadness of it. But Jesus doesn't want you to be caught up in the suffering and the sadness. He wants you to see the joy at the other side of it. The Bible says joy comes in the morning. Jesus wants you to see that He did that to bring you life. And your kids life and your grandkids life and your neighbor life. He did that so you could go free. Christianity is not a sad religion. It's happy. It's joyful. It's only sad if we choose not to accept Jesus. It's only sad if we choose to live the rest of our lives without Jesus, pass away, and then find ourselves separated forever from Him. It's only sad then. But see, Jesus doesn't want you to live that way. He came so that you might be saved. I'm going to ask you to stand, bow your heads, and this is an opportunity for you to pray. Church, you can pray at your pew. You can pray at the front next to me or with me. But this is an important part of the service. Even if you don't sing one word of the invitation song, make sure that you speak to God in prayer. Father, thank You for this time together. Speak to our hearts. And show us what needs to be known in Jesus' name. Amen.